You are listening to the Walk After Falling podcast. I don't know what kind of struggle you're going through. I don't know what the situation may be, but you serve a mighty God. Yeah, you know, I got to have my little feature on there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Monday, everybody. We are back. I'm Julian. I'm Catherine. And we have an awesome guest today, somebody that uh, we're excited to really have share, uh, somebody that we've seen every week, mostly um, at Soul City mm-hmm. through through different uh, events and when we were still in person. Um, so we're happy to have him virtually here. Um, so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, Mr. Guest? <laughs> hello. Hello, everyone. Hello, Julian. Hello, Catherine. My, uh, my name is... My name is John Jorgensen. Uh, I'm a pastor at Soul City Church, which is how I know uh, Julian and Catherine and many of the other amazing guests that have been on this on this program, mm-hmm. on this podcast. Um, yeah, I've been a part of the community at Soul City for about three and a half plus years now, mm-hmm. um, and then just recently came on staff full time just a few months ago. Awesome. 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 Yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit about, um, cause I was always curious, like, so you do a lot of speaking, you do a lot of, uh, like speaking engagements, um, and you've been preaching at, at different churches for a long time. So how did you get into, uh, cause I, I know I did a little background history. So you went to Carnegie Mellon. Yes. So you're a wow, theater major. You. <laughs> I, think I, I think I heard, I think I heard you say it in a class the other day. So. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> I'm just messing. But, um, so I know you, you were a theater major, right? Yes. So my, my background is in acting and musical theater. Okay. That's what I, I grew up, um, growing up, my mom was pretty obsessed with this idea of me being a well-rounded yeah. Um, and what she meant by that was she wanted me to not just be a jock, not just be a nerd, not just be an artist. She mm. wanted me to kind of dabble and play in everything. Yeah. Uh, so that meant I played a lot of sports growing up, but I also did choir and did plays and all of those things. I kind of existed in both worlds, wow. um, which uh, this is a bit of a segue. It took me a long time to get comfortable with, wow. Um, wow. It, you know, Amongst my sports friends, I would always kind of hide the fact that I, you know, did plays or danced or whatever it might yeah. be, because um, that was just not it wasn't nearly as accepted as maybe it is in some circles today. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I digress. Yeah. So with that, I uh, I've been performing and been on stages since I was nine years old, basically. Mm-hmm. And somewhere around high school, I kind of. I started to think like most high school students do, well, what do I want to major in in college? What do I want to do with my life? And I never really loved academics in any sort of way. The only thing I'd grown to love in school was theater and sports. And I kind of figured I had a much better chance of going pro in theater than I did Mm -hmm. playing some sort of sport. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I decided, hey, I'll try I'll try to major in acting and musical theater. I was lucky enough to get accepted to the Carnegie Mellon School of Drama, mm-hmm. um, which is a, like a really great program. I was very, very lucky, yeah. um, which going to school there, that led to me moving to New York and wow. working as an actor post-college uh, mm-hmm. for about two to three years there. Um, and it was there while I was working. I was in a show in the evenings and I had my entire days free. Mm-hmm. 
And as much as being a professional actor sounds like a wonderfully artistically fulfilling job, um, it isn't always right. because for me, I was in a musical and it was the same exact show every mm. single night. Wow. You wear the same clothes, you say the same words mm. to the same people. There is no job that is more like replicable than that. Wow. Um, and so during my days, what I started doing is I just started experimenting with uh, writing and creating these little videos. Yeah. Um, a big part of it was I had a bunch of writings that I had done over the years growing up um, and through some youth ministry that I'd been leading and doing. Um, and I just started taking some of those poems, which is what they were, and I started uploading them to the Internet wow. just as like an artistic and ministry outlet. Nothing more. Yeah. It, this was back in you know 2013 before everyone and their mother had right. a YouTube channel. <laughs> um and so I just started uploading these things. And to my surprise, a few people liked watching them and shared them with their friends who shared them with their friends. Uh, and so essentially for about two to two and a half years, I spent all of my days with this YouTube ministry hobby, which it, all those videos included spoken word poems, mm. uh, short sermons, Bible studies, all in the faith right. realm. And then at night I would go and perform the show. And what I started to notice was there was a significant gap between uh, the enjoyment that I had when I was making those videos mm -hmm. versus the lack of enjoyment when I was performing the show at right. night. Yeah. Uh, I started to notice the incredible gap between how connected I felt with God and with mm -hmm. others while I was making these videos and how disconnected I felt from God and others. So there was all, there was this massive gap um, that started to emerge, which I started to understand was perhaps God and the Holy Spirit leading me away from this world of theater mm. that I had grown up in, that had been my dream, and I'd been working towards for years and years and years. God was moving me away from that um, into I didn't know what, mm. you know, because yeah. at, at that point, I did not consider myself a pastor. I didn't even really consider myself a teacher or speaker. Wow. I was sort of this, like, Christian artist guy, yeah, dude. yeah. Um, but, uh, well, about five years ago, uh, my wife, Erin and I, we kind of took a leap of faith. Uh, we left New York, we moved back to Chicago, which is where we're originally from. And I just kind of went open-handed into it and said, I'm going to keep making YouTube videos mm -hmm. and I'm going to accept the few speaking invitations that I've received. Right. And let's just see what happens. Wow. Um, and over the last five years, uh, that, that YouTube outlet and that mm -hmm. online ministry has continued. Um, like you said, my sort of traveling itinerant speaking at a bunch of different churches mm -hmm. and conferences that has grown as well. And then I've had the awesome opportunity to partner with a lot of local churches in Chicago, either as a guest teacher or as a creative consultant of sorts, mm -hmm. um, or to help them write something or craft something together. Um, and so then all of that yeah. essentially coalesced into where I am now yeah. as a pastor of a church, yeah, which is right? not something I would have said <laughs> five years ago, maybe hmm. even two years ago. Wow. So. Wow. That's amazing. Um, did you grow up in faith? Like how did you come to really have a relationship with God? Yeah. So those, um, what's interesting is the YouTube stuff that I started, you know, seven, eight years ago now. And and my doorway into a relationship with Jesus are somewhat connected. Mm. And so is uh, theater, actually. It's all very connected, <laughs> isn't it always? You're right. So uh, as I said, 
growing up, my mom was obsessed with me being well-rounded. Mm-hmm. And part of that was kind of shoving me into theater, even before I knew I loved it. And the avenue or the organization that I did theater in was an organization in the uh, Chicago suburbs called Christian Youth Theater, CYT. Yeah. Um, they're a national organization and their Chicago chapter. It's a after school nonprofit organization for kids eight to 18. Mm-hmm. They do theater education and they perform like three different musicals per year. Wow. And so when I was nine years old, my mom signed me up for CYT and that's where I got the majority of my theater education. And that is also where I got the majority of my faith education yeah. as well. Um, the family that I grew up in, we were kind of, we were, um, I describe it as culturally American Christians mm-hmm. in that, you know, we, we went to church maybe like once a month when it was convenient for us. Um, but it, faith wasn't something we talked about at a personal level. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that was part of our daily conversations. Um, it was just, that's what a middle-class suburban white family yeah. with two kids and a dog does. We go to <laughs> church when we can yeah. Uh, but in CYT, I started to discover this environment where faith was really at the center mm-hmm. of everything. And in addition to doing shows during the school year, CYT has this uh, overnight camp experience, mm-hmm. which I would say that the way CYT has set itself up is that it is theater education first with a faith sort of underbelly. Mm-hmm. And it is at this overnight camp for middle school and high school students that those things flip. Yeah. Um, and the whole point of that overnight camp for middle school and high school students, it is ministry focused first. Wow. It is essentially your classic Christian high school camp, right. but it's all a bunch of theater kids together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so it was there right before my freshman year of high school that um, I first really heard and understood and responded Mm. to uh, the gospel message in a meaningful and personal way. And that kind of set me on a trajectory of uh, the wonderful mountaintop valley low experience Mm. that Mm. is high school, the high school (laughs) Christian walk in in the (laughs) modern West, if you will. Um, and those, those who are listening, who are familiar with that walk or who have walked it themselves, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, but for those of you who maybe don't, my faith throughout all of high school essentially looked like me having committing my life to Christ at this summer camp and then, and being so all in with my faith for about a few weeks. And then slowly when school (laughs) started up again, I would get caught up in whatever activities I was doing. I would start to struggle with whatever unhealthy patterns and simple patterns were in my life. Mm -hmm. And by the time winter came, I felt like I'm not even a Christian at all. I'm a terrible person. And then the next summer would come and I'd rededicate and (laughs) I'd go back. And it was this cycle. Um, And it wasn't really until college that I started to um, really uh, take personal responsibility Mm. for my faith um, and for the growth in my faith. And part of that was because I moved away. I moved you know, 500 miles away and went to a school where I didn't know anybody Mm -hmm. um, when I moved into my freshman dorm. And so the only relationship that I had, you know, two weeks into school that was more than two weeks old was my relationship with God. Um, And so that's when I, that's when I started to really um, get into spiritual rhythms and Mm. practices that led to 
um, at least my initial growth. Yeah. The way that I often describe it to people is I took my first step with Jesus when I was 13, and I'm not sure I really got around to my second step <laughs> until I was maybe 18 years right. old. Yeah. That's not actually true, but that is often what it felt wow. like. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so when you're in, which is hard to do though, like to keep that relationship going, like you talk about high school being that kind of experience, like college can be a whole nother beast in itself too, especially going away. So how, yeah. how did you remain like yourself? Like, you know what I mean? Were there any moments yeah. where you kind of compromised like what you believed or, mm-hmm. you know, how did you remain true to like what, what you went in thinking and knowing and believing? Yeah, a hundred percent. So I'm, I, I'm trying to think of the best way to respond to this because the answer is yes, there were absolutely um, moments where even though I had grown so much in my closeness with God and my relationship with Jesus and my understanding of who he was in um my relationship and service within a local church and community, like all of that, I'd grown so much in college. Mm-hmm. That didn't mean that a lot of the patterns that existed in my life in high school just immediately went away. Mm. Um, and I think a, a big, a big thing that was so helpful for me in college and um, not hurtful, but also a great learning experience was my wife, Erin and I, we started dating just after I graduated high school. Oh, wow. So all throughout my college experience, we were dating on and off, sometimes mm. long distance, sometimes not. Mm. We were doing that whole dance. Wow. Um, which of course caused a ton of drama. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and to completely oversimplify this for the purposes of this conversation, mm-hmm. one big learning that I had from that season was when Aaron and I's relationship was really good in college, mm. my relationship with God was also really good. Wow. And then okay. as soon as our relationship would get rocky or we would break up, my relationship with God would totally go on the fritz. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the one, what I was clinging to. Instead, it was, oh, my life's going really good right now. Mm. And so therefore my faith is the center of my life. Mm. And then to be honest, when our relationship would fall apart, that's when I instead of clinging to God would found myself, found myself clinging to some of my old Mm. patterns, Mm. um, and to some of the unhealthy relationships, um, and ways of going about relationships that I had done previously in high school. Um, yeah. So I, I never, ever want to give the, the storyline that in, at the start of college, I started to take ownership over my faith and Mm. then I was this completely changed person. Mm -hmm. Um, no, in fact, if, if nothing else, it made me realize that um, how much my faith was a product of my circumstances. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. Wow. That's so, it's so interesting because I really relate to that. Like I've, I've heard so many people say that, you know, when things start going well, don't forget about the Lord because like when, when you are in going through a season, that's really hard it's, it's like you lean on him. But for me, I always felt the opposite. Like when things are going really well in my life, that's when I'm like, I'm in it with God. Like i I want to be close with him. But then when things start getting stressful, I'm like, okay, I, it's almost like I cling on to the things I can cling on to instead yeah. of surrendering. So that's mm. really interesting that, right. that you said. Yeah. That. And, yeah. And it was, um, a big difference if I could if I could sort of chart a difference between 
when I, in high school, when I found myself in some unhealthy patterns and behaviors for myself, I wasn't necessarily living out my faith in any sort of meaningful or intentional way. And so when I wasn't Mm. living outwardly as people would think a Christian would, no one really noticed or cared either because I was keeping those, those unhealthy patterns a secret Mm. or people would have been surprised to find out I was a Christian anyway. Right. Whereas in college, because I started to take a little bit more ownership over my faith, I also was like leading Bible studies in our drama school. Like mm-hmm. it was very well known that like John yeah. is the Christian <laughs> in our, you know, one of the, you know, Christians in our program. And like, if you're interested in going to a church, go talk to John. Yeah. But then when those patterns begin to pop up again, I got my real first taste of what like that hypocrisy mm-hmm. feels like yeah. when I profess one thing so strongly and yet my at times my life looks completely different mm. um and so that that was a helpful and painful but helpful lesson to learn that mm. of what it really means to represent Christ in a community mm. um and that is a full body full self every situation thing yeah mm-hmm. yeah what what at what point did that feeling of you know Cause I guess for me, I always say it on the podcast is like, you know, living one foot in and one foot out, you know, never mm-hmm. fully committing and, and jumping into one side. But when did, do you, was there a moment when that feeling of hypocrisy or, you know, double standards or anything like t- completely left you and you were like, Oh no, I'm walking confident in what I am and I'm not letting that follow me because there's a lot of people that can be into go into a season of success and go into a season of walking confidently, but they have that feeling always following them. Like, Oh, the people I hung out with before they know my story. They know, Mm -hmm. you know, they won't take me seriously now that I'm trying to, you know, live this life, you know? So was there a moment when that completely left or does that still come up for you? I don't think there was a, was ever a moment where it completely left, but there have been several defining moments that I can chart Mm. where I was able to say, okay, this is a moment where I'm really leaving that piece of it behind, you know? So in high school, um, and towards the end of high school, my big defining sort of moment was, gosh, I'm struggling with a lot of stuff Mm. and I am no longer going to struggle with it in secret. That was the defining moment. Mm. So it wasn't even like my, that's, my transformation step at that moment wasn't even necessarily like I'm going to get rid of these behaviors. Mm. It was, I'm just going to start telling the truth that these behaviors exist, you know? And then I think, yeah, exactly. And then, and then in college, I think what happened is I started to see and reckon with the fact that, okay, I'm being honest about these behaviors that exist, but that doesn't mean that the choices that I'm making and the, the things that I'm doing aren't hurting people wow. and hurting me. And when I started to reckon with, man, like that's hurting me, that's hurting my friends, that's hurting my future wife. Mm. Um, that's when I started to say, okay, the next step in transformation for me is to leave behind those behaviors as much as I possibly right. can. It's no longer good, good enough for me to be like, I'm struggling and I'm being honest about mm. it. Mm. it. Now it's like, okay, but there, there does need to be some actual physical change as well that occurs. 
Um, and then I think if I could to move the story forward a yeah. little bit, probably up to I could chart it back about two years ago now, there was another big shift in me that was like, okay, now all my behavior on the outside is looking good. Mm. But now there's a transformation that needs to happen in my motives wow. and, in, and in my heart and in my there's an internal thing that needs to happen as well, because otherwise all of this external change and right. the change in my behavior, it's it's at best coming from uh, a temporary place, right. I, I suppose. And so there was a big a big step of transformation there of. I mean, I'm going to invite God to even transform my motives, mm. the motives underneath the behavior yes. and the, even the motives underneath the good Christian behavior, mm. um, which we can get into more of that yeah, if we want. Sure. And so, sure. but, but yeah, I, I think it's charting those, like, what was that big next step? Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. Mm. That's so good. That's, it's like whenever for me, whenever I think God's worked through this in me, like there's always a layer deeper that he's like, no, yes. I'm going to take you here. I'm going to, I'm going to take you here. And I'm like, is it ever going to be done? Like, am I ever going to like feel like, okay, God, you've like, you've, you, you've taken me there through it. Like uh, I'm done with it. But you yeah. know, that's kind of like the beauty of it is that, um, you know, I think Christy said it when, when we did her episode, like you really never stop learning about yourself too when you're in this with God like he's always revealing mm -hmm. something to you and especially when you get into the layer about your motives that's like yeah he's working in like in your heart a hundred percent I had I had a really significant powerful moment uh within worship a few years ago if, if it's okay that I share it yeah, sure. it's very much connected to that idea of you're never done it's constant there's more learning there's more to uncover and so it was, I was teaching at this retreat in California and the worship team was playing reckless love. Mm. We all have heard oh, yeah. reckless love, we've, we've had, maybe well, we've more than we, than we know. With that song. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and I was like, I was like kind of, to be honest, kind of over the song at that point. I was like, okay, we get like, we get it. We get it. Okay. Let's bring the blessing um, in by Carrie Jo. Right. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> and so I'm like sitting there I'm, I'm i'm kind of praying through the song and we get to the bridge which obviously you know a lot of people are familiar with and it gets to that line of um there's no shadow that you won't light up coming mm. after me and when i when i think about that bridge of like there's no mountain you won't climb up that you know whatever mm -hmm. um i always thought of that in terms of like oh that bridge is for the for folks who don't know Jesus at all. Wow. And God is running after the lost, the, mm. you know, the one lost sheep, you know, he leaves the mm. 99. That bridge is only about people who are lost and he's going to come and like find you wherever you are. Right. And the Holy Spirit just kind of shifted it in my brain and was like, no, John, like I'm still lighting up the shadowy places in your life. Wow. Like there's still like a corner that you're keeping in the dark. Mm. There's still a corner that you're hiding from me. You know, in, in high school, it was, you were hiding your behavior, mm. you know, uh, in college, it was hiding the way that you were treating people and your motives behind that. Lately, you've been hiding, uh, you know, with what your actual motives are for being this like Christian speaker guy mm. and the selfishness that is actually at the root of it all. Mm. Um, and like John, this journey 
is me continually coming to you and saying, are you ready for me to bring light into that area of mm. darkness in your life? Like, are you ready to open that up yet? Mm. Um, and that just totally shifted and transformed that song for me and the, the transformation process. Wow. Mm. Were you ready at that time? Uh, I think what it was and the reason I was able to see it is because I was in process of mm. a, new, a new shadow in my life that I didn't even know existed. Mm. God had uh, kind of had shown me it and convicted me of it and was working it out in me in real time. Mm. And I think that revelation uh, gave me language to talk about the, what process was occurring. Wow. Wow. Mm. That's good. Yeah. So I love that. And thank you for sharing all that. Cause I feel like there's so many good, other conversations that can come out of that. Cause I feel like that motive one is a huge one, but for the sake of making this a two part documentary, uh, <laughs> like I, cause I really want to dig into that part of it, but I want to talk, I want to leave it to where we talk about what you feel like you're walking through now. Maybe mm -hmm. where do you feel like you've fallen short or, you know, yeah, just e either one of those, like, but I want to give you that space to kind of, let us know where you're at now with everything. You're in a new position now, comes a lot of responsibility, so we can go wherever you want with it. Yeah. Well, I I think not to not to do away with your part two, but mm -hmm. I think it actually is connected. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's what I was thinking because Yeah. So I'm getting more comfortable now. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> so so I'll I'll illustrate the point. Um by telling a short story. Mm. So about two years ago, I was at this big outdoor Christian evangelism music and preaching festival. Mm -hmm. um, but I wasn't there as one of the teachers. I was there doing some like behind the scenes social media work. Yeah. I was like the low, like the lowest person on the totem pole <laughs> there. Um, but because I was doing behind the scenes work, I had like an all access pass to go wherever yeah. I wanted. Um, and no one would have noticed or cared wow. regardless. Um, but it was, you know, this big two day event with, you know, from a worship perspective, it was the likes of like the hill songs mm. and the elevation and the mosaics and all of them. Wow. And then these big time celebrity Christian pastors and speakers, yeah. the people who at that point, I was like, I want to be them yeah. or at yeah. least I want to be doing this type of event. Yeah, for sure. And if I'm totally honest, I spent the majority of that event kind of sitting backstage and watching the speakers on the stage and thinking to myself, I'm better than him. Wow. I am better than her at this. Um, and I was frustrated with God because I'd been on, I'd been doing this work now for three and a half years and I wasn't, uh, I just hadn't blown up the way that I thought I would. I wasn't speaking at as big of conferences mm. or for as big of audiences as I thought I would at this point. And so I really just sat there like frustrated. And then I would watch, I watched a few of those speakers come backstage and I watched how uh, they treated the folks who were working backstage. And mm. at, at best, they just kind of walked past them and didn't treat them as humans. And at worst, they would, yell at them because they messed something up for them. Wow. And then I was like, wow, God, like not only am I more talented <laughs> than them, but I'm a better person than they are too. So yeah. how dare you not give me this? And yeah. I was like, man, that's just like, oh, that's so annoying. And so 
uh, I'm on the flight home afterwards, still stewing and mm. angry at God for not giving me what I wanted. And I, once again, I just had this, this Holy Spirit thought that kind of whispered into my, my mind and my heart that just said, Hey, John, that's exactly who you would be mm. if wow. I had given you what you wanted. Wow. Uh, and that like, that moment, I think, really marked uh, a knowing in me that there was a next step to take. Mm. And that next step was to really examine my motives for teaching and speaking and being on stages. Right. Um, and is that motive uh, to be well known for my giftedness and my talents and the way that I can break down a passage or inspire people so that you know, I can get bigger and bigger and bigger, mm. um, and more and more well thought of that really it, mm. um, or is it out of a response to what God is actually calling me and leading me mm -hmm. to do? Mm. Um, is it actually reflecting who Jesus is? Wow. And it, I'm not kidding you guys. It has changed over the last two years and I'm still in process with it. It has changed everything. Yeah, for me. Yeah. It is, and, and I don't just mean like, it's changed the way that I think about things when right, I go up and right. preach. Like it has changed the clothes that I wear. Mm. It changes the way that I do my hair. Mm -hmm. Like it, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. changed my job. I believe like, it. I believe it. I, a big reason why I, you know, have stepped away from the itinerant traveling and speaking and into a position at a church in the West, on the West side of Chicago is because I feel like that is what God is calling mm -hmm. me to do right. rather than, gosh, I really want to grow more and more and more and climb the ladder. Right. Um, and that's and being so, obedient. That's being obedient, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm constantly learning uh, and more and more shadows are being lit up in me uh, with every step of yeah. how much that desire to impress and to climb the ladder um, for my own sake, mm -hmm. still exists within me. Yeah. Um, even even in as small of ways as like the class we do together, yeah. Julian, which has you know twenty five set you know twenty people in it. Mm -hmm. um, how often I catch myself uh, really wanting to be impressive mm -hmm. for the people I'm teaching more yeah. than I want to be faithful wow. uh, with the material that I'm teaching, yeah. and yeah. so. Yeah, I think that's what I'm learning now. Mm -hmm. I feel like in in moments or in things that like we really we really struggle with, like it is it's an everyday thing of of noticing it and letting it go and it's like the more the more for me that I have walked with Jesus in it, the more I'm able to pick up on like the like it seems like the littler uh situations I'm able to see that struggle show up in and so like yeah. while at first it was like oh my gosh this is running my whole life mm -hmm. now it's like okay in this moment where I'm like me and Julian are like in an argument like then I and I see it Excuse show up me? there <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> I'm just but you know it's like and I think that's really like that's that's how Jesus to me is like making me more like him every day where mm -hmm. he's like, you know, I'll show it to you in a big way. And now I'm going to work in like the little habits in your mm -hmm. life. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And there, I think that's why an awareness of it is so key. I, I, I've said for a long time, like awareness is almost half the battle. Yeah. You know, I, I'll have, you know, these pastoral conversations with people who will come to me and they'll say, you know, John, I realize I have this, this big struggle with jealousy. Mm-hmm. How do I get rid of it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, well, <laughs> like, it's probably going to take a really, 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 really long time. Right. Um, However, I think a big, a big starting point is to just name it when mm. it pops up, yep. you know, yep. it's like, and realize like, oh, this isn't just like who I am, you know, mm-hmm. at, at my best. And like, that's just who I am forever. Right. But naming it is like, nope, that's my, that's my jealousy popping up again, mm-hmm. you know, and I still feel it. It's still there. It still exists. But just to acknowledge it and almost to. And I don't know if this is necessarily um, wise from a psychotherapy standpoint, but it almost distances me from the from that struggle a little bit mm-hmm. of like, a, oh, gosh, th- that's not me at my truest and best. Mm. You know, that's that's an enemy, you know, that's yeah. trying to pull me down and pull me away. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to name you for what you are. Mm. And we're still going to probably be walking through this together. Right. But at least I know you're there, right. mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that's helpful for me. Yeah. It's just to name it in the moment and say, ah, there it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Do you feel like, like, uh, so that, that experience that you had, cause I was going to say two things. One it's, it was if God didn't have a plan for you to be something bigger or better than those people that you were seeing, do you believe he would have even put you in that position to even to witness that and go through those feelings? And to wrestle with uh, that? Yeah, I'm not. I want to. I want to make sure I'm yeah. responding to the question so, faithfully. So, if God didn't have a plan for you to work through these things, so that you can surpass that moment and be better than you were in that moment, do you even think He would have gave you that all access pass, or or you know, gave you favor in those little moments leading mm-hmm. up to that to even be there to sit there, witness that, feel it, wrestle through it, so that way you can you know, come out, you know, into a different season better. Yeah. So I, I will get, um, <laughs> maybe troubling, like, and, and I will get theological, um, yeah, that's for okay. a moment, if that's okay. that's okay. So there's, there's a really interesting concept when it comes to, um, God's wrath, which mm-hmm. is a big, scary word, mm-hmm. but there's, um, active wrath and there's passive wrath mm. from God active being when, you know, stories in the Bible where like God himself kind of steps in and does something right. brings about, you know, the, the death of the firstborn in Egypt, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then passive wrath is far, 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 far more common. Mm. Active wrath is actually quite rare, even in the old Testament. Mm-hmm. Passive wrath is described as when God allows a human being mm-hmm. to inherit the consequences of their own action. Mm. Um, <laughs> And I think um, that is, and I don't know if this answers your question exactly, but I think that is the route I was headed, Mm. a route of, you know, like, hey, John, I I bet there were several moments before that moment at that festival where God had tried to light that shadow up in me, where he tried to reveal it to me. I know there was. I had conversations with (laughs) Jarrett about it before that festival. Um, but I don't think I was ready to hear it wow. yet. Um, 
And if I hadn't seen it then, like God would have probably allowed me to keep going on my own way. And, um, you know, I, God has, I, I, I could have relied on my own giftedness and maybe I could have climbed Mm -hmm. that ladder. Um, but at some point I would have experienced, uh, and I was already experiencing the passive wrath of that, that, Oh, by, by going on this trajectory, I was actually being formed into someone who was more judgmental and more resentful Mm. and more angry. Mm. And that like sin is its own punishment in a lot of ways, you know? Um, so I think, I think that was part of it. Like God God was kind of like, Hey John, you can keep doing what you're doing, but just so you know, like that and worse is what you will become. Wow. You know? Mm. Um, and I love, I love you enough to, to let you choose your own way. Mm. But gosh, I, I hope you choose something, uh, truer and more faithful. Wow. And that's what I'm trying to do now. Yeah. And wow. you're like seeking of, of wanting to, you know, like for lack of a better word, like kind of blow up and be like, uh, you know, like a famous preacher. Um, right. like what is it that you were like seeking underneath that? Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm working on in therapy right now. Yes. Um, very much so. Um, my therapist and I spend a lot of time talking about my desire and need, almost deep need to perform and impress. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm a three on the Enneagram. I was just going to um, say. <laughs> so, yeah, and I'm, a, I'm like a three wing three. Like I'm right <laughs> down the middle, right down the pipe. Double dose. Um, yeah. And I think, um, so to bring this full circle, growing up, my mom was very enticed by this idea of me being a well-rounded kid. Mm-hmm. And I, because of that, from a very, very young age, well, actually before that, I was born 11 pounds, 11 ounces. Oh my gosh. Um, so and you, you, were, you were already well-rounded then. I was, a, it was very well-rounded, but also I was from the moment I came out of the C-section, mm-hmm. I was exceptional. Right. Mm. I was ahead of my class. Wow. I was more mature than I should be. Like yeah. I was always exceptional. I was always perform performing at a high level, yeah. you know, from the very minute I entered this world wow. and that didn't stop, you know, playing sport. I was a big kid growing up after being 11, 11. Mm-hmm. And so I usually played sports with kids a year or two older than me. Wow. That's how I did it. And then when I joined theater, I was good at that. Like most of the things I put my hand to, I yeah, was good at. Yeah. And so therefore the vast, vast majority of my validation growing up as a kid was based on my performance or wow. based on the fact that I was good at this or good at that, or I was able to climb the ranks and achieve more mm-hmm. and climb higher. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, and I didn't receive a whole lot of, uh, encouragement or love or affirmation for being kind mm. or for being loving or, or those, I wasn't known as, I was actually known as the opposite. I was known as a kid who had a really, really bad temper. Mm. And then by the time I got to middle school and high school, I was known as a kid who lied a lot to his parents mm. and was getting into trouble. Yeah. And so the, the only validation I was getting was based on my performance, wow. not based on my character. And so mm. 
I had decades of practice mm. uh, at achieving my way to feeling worthy and feeling affirmed wow. uh, rather than seeking to be formed and grow in my character. Mm -hmm. um, and God is slowly turning that around yeah, in me yeah. and showing me that he is a, he is a father who celebrates me um, for my character mm -hmm. um, just as much, if not more than he would celebrate me uh, for my achievements. Mm -hmm. And even outside of all of that, he celebrates me because he's my father. Mm -hmm. He loves me. So. Absolutely. Mm. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it makes me f like the question I want to ask is like, do you feel like you found yourself in moments of real life, real time um, being the the theater John? And so, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like putting on yeah. a performance where maybe you didn't want to be nice or you didn't want to, you know, be, you know, be an active listener or whatever situation, whatever circumstance. Did you find yourself becoming the actor yeah absolutely so that's something actually that uh jared and i work on a lot mm. uh especially when i'm putting together teaching yeah um is that i i've been on stages since i was eight nine years right, old right and so i i know how to get on a stage mm -hmm. and pull people's yeah. attention yeah. you know um and so what 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 I write at the top of almost every sermon that I give at the top of my manuscript um, is a note that Jarrett always gives me. I write four words, let them see you. Mm. Um, and that is, that is one big thing that I'm working on. And it's not just when I hop, when I get up on stage, as you said, in some of your examples, Julian, yeah. that's something that I struggle with in any environment, right, you know, right. is I'm like, Oh, give me, give me the role to play. Oh, we have a, we have a family party. Great. I'll play the role of like helper and yeah. grill master, you know? <laughs> right. Oh, we have this like social event. Great. I'll play the role of like, I'm the guy who asks you a lot of questions about your job, you know, whatever <laughs> it might be. Um, and so I think I'm getting, I'm growing in that. Mm -hmm. Um, once again, it's, it's an awareness, mm -hmm. you know? Right. Um, and so, yeah, we, Jarrett and I spend a lot of time uh, sitting and watching teaching of me and we both name like, hey, that, there was the performer. There he was, mm -hmm. you know, and, and then there's times where it's like, ah, that was you. Mm -hmm. Like we saw you there yeah. a little bit. Mm -hmm. So yeah. and I'm trying to figure out who that is. Right. You know? Right. Because I was going to ask, like, like, do you have a picture of when you strip it all down? You know, like, do you have a picture of what that looks like for you? Like what you I'm might. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure I do just yet. Um, mm. Not a super, not a super clear one at mm -hmm. least. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm. I think part of it is like, yeah, I'm so. I'm a three who was also an actor for many years, right. so I'm like very well practiced. <laughs> yeah, yeah, playing whatever role you need me to play. Mm -hmm. You know, so like right now, if you guys need me to play the thoughtful, vulnerable podcast <laughs> guest, like here I am. Um, and so, yeah, I, 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 I struggle with that quite a bit, wow. um, in turn in, yeah, mm -hmm. like be, and part of that is because there was very little celebration or affirmation or conversation around what my identity was outside of wow. yeah. those skills or talents or achievements. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, that's definitely in process with that. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't know, like this thought just 
came up for me, but it's like, I, we've, we've had like only a couple conversations, but from what, like, I remember after our first conversation with Julian, I was like, he's so like, he's so relaxed. He's like, like seeing him on stage, like, and talking to him like one-on-one, I'm like, he like, you have like a grounding presence to you. Mm -hmm. And so it's like these, these roles that you played, like, I, I don't know. I believe, and there might not be any scripture to back this up or anything to back this up, but it's like, there. I don't think you could have played those roles if there wasn't an authentic piece of you that was coming through in mm. them. So while it may have been masked and um, like there was still a face behind the mask, you know, yeah. and it was still oh. like forming to your face. So mm. I don't know. That's just like that thought just came up. I just wanted to share that because I know like, I feel I'm a four on the Enneagram and I feel like I'm always like in pursuit of, um, of what is truly, well then, oh no, did we lose him? I'm okay. still here. You got it. <laughs> I was like, we've had my, this happen My before. AirPods of course died like they always do. Oh, and now I'm just in my phone. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. Um, <laughs> I was like, did we, we've had that happen a couple times with people on the phone. So we are like, oh, the AirPods. Um, but yeah, so I, I feel like I'm always in pursuit of like what is most truly authentic to mm-hmm. me. Um, and so I'm always looking for like, like true authenticity in other people. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just, yeah, I just wanted to share that. Well, that means a lot. There's the, and very encouraging. So thank you mm-hmm. for, for sharing that. I think, um, and I think you're right. I think the like, new therapy patient, which I admittedly am, you know, only five or six months into it after a long six, seven year break is to like, I need to throw out everything, Mm. you know, (laughs) it's like everything I ever was was a lie. Um, But but that's probably not necessarily true. It's yeah. All of that stuff. And my, my therapist continually reminds me like, it's not bad that you were talented at those things. Mm. Right. Like it's not bad that you no. succeeded at things. Mm. Like that's not a bad thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, let's just add into that an awareness of the ways in which you were trying to use that to validate yourself as a human being, right. you know, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it also means a lot specifically to hear um, kind of what your, what your response or feelings uh, towards an interaction with me were to mm-hmm. be totally honest, because a story I carry and have carried for a long time is John is intimidating and John is scary Mm. because first of all, I'm six foot four, Mm -hmm. 200 pounds. I have very sharp features. I kind of look like a Disney villain. And (laughs) so like I did, I do have like a quite a, I can have a very intimidating presence. And Mm. I think um, a big part of, you know, who I used to be, I imagine I did and was very intimidating mm-hmm. because I was hopefully far more arrogant than hopefully than I am today. Mm. Um, but what's interesting is now a, a phrase that has continued to come up in the last year, really, that uh, really sinks in for me in terms of what I want to be in relationship and what I want to be to other people mm-hmm. is the phrase safe space. Mm. Um, I've just had a lot of folks you know, call me up randomly and be like, Hey, I'm really struggling with this thought or question or decision. And you just seem like a safe space to Mm. talk about it. Um, and I, 
yeah, that, that anytime I get that from someone, that means so much to me. And that's mm-hmm. what I genuinely desire to be for folks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so I, I, perhaps I'm giving too much no, uh, no. weight oh, to what yeah. you were saying, but <laughs> um, I felt like, yeah, there was something in there mm-hmm. with that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so really quick to sum up just though that part and that walk, what were, and, and you might still have these, but what are some of those damaging thoughts that you feel like when you wake up? Like, is it that you look in the mirror immediately, you're checking your phone or what mm. are the things that you are doing that are damaging to the process of growing out of, out of what mm. you're working on? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, every day, <laughs> just about every day. Mm fight the temptation to immediately wake up my my natural go-to is the minute i wake up my mind is making a to-do list Mm. um my mind is is thinking about work (laughs) immediately it is natural it's what i do and so um i don't have at least i don't feel i don't have as much control over that in Mm. the moment but what i can do is i can choose to schedule my day where I have two hours in the morning before I ever sit down to do any work or open up Mm -hmm. my phone or actually start to make that to-do list Mm. to sit and to breathe Mm. and to pray and to think and to be with myself and to be with God. You know, I can do those things. Mm -hmm. I can put those parameters in my life, which is helpful. Um, that's a huge one. I also, um, (laughs) I, pretty probably once or twice a week uh the clock will hit one or two in the afternoon and if i haven't accomplished enough that mm. day i will get a tightness in my chest oh, wow. and my breathing will get like that anxiety begins yeah. to manifest itself physically wow. um and i used to freak out and get very short-tempered with aaron and anyone around me and then like work into the evening and all of these wow. things um but now it's just it's that awareness of like, oh, the reason you're feeling this, John, is because you haven't met whatever crazy, stupid, pointless <laughs> standard right. you set in your right. mind for yourself today. And you're not reaching that, wow. you know. Um, and so, yeah, I th- a lot of those thoughts, I think, um, come around like we've been talking about performance yeah. uh, achievement. I have. I have thoughts in Aaron and I's marriage, which I kind of shared in the the message I gave a few weeks ago at Soul mm-hmm. City of like, yeah. if I don't say yes or do absolutely every little thing she ever asks me to do, I am a bad husband, you know, mm-hmm. because I'm not playing that role wow. to the best that it could possibly be played. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think continuing to work through those. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Wow. That's good. Mm-hmm. And in, and just a, a, a question of, to further that a little bit with uh, your relationship with Aaron, is there something where she maybe, is there like a code word you guys had? Like how does she snap you back into just being you and getting out of that? Is there like something you guys worked out together? Uh, n- not necessarily explicitly. How she normally, and if she felt comfortable, what she would probably do is burst into this room right now and oh, make could, the joke that she, could definitely she always do it. makes. Bring in the bear. The, <laughs> the the joke that she always makes anytime I like, because um, I will articulate that to her of like, hey, 
I'm afraid to say no to this Mm -hmm. right now. And she'll always just make the joke of like, well, you should never say no to me. So come on, say yes. (laughs) And she's totally kidding. And it it just like Uh in in her own wonderful way that is so unique to her, she completely disarms it with her humor, you know, and says more in a joke Mm -hmm. than she probably could ever say if she was just saying things explicitly, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's, yeah, really, yeah. really meaningful to me. That's good. Mm. That's good. That's so great. And so with those damaging thoughts, what are the true norths? What keeps you going, especially through those darker moments that keep you from like calling it quits on everything? Mm-hmm. Like what keeps mm-hmm. you wanting to discover the you that God created you to be? Mm. Yeah. I had a a thought it's probably a few years ago now. I I mainly do, I think I've said this uh, to you before, Julian, mm-hmm. uh, I mainly work in my head, mm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like oh, most yeah. of, I don't, I'm, I don't work with my hands much. I'm not that type of, I don't, I honestly don't even work with other people much. Like most <laughs> of my work happens between my right. ears. Mm. Um, and so therefore a lot of the, a lot of the breakthroughs that I sort of have in uh, my own the way that I think about myself and the, my relationship with God, a lot of those kind of happen between mm-hmm. my ears often as well. Um, and a thought that I had that was, that kind of marked a moment for me a little over a year ago, probably was again, just one of those like small Holy spirit whispers mm-hmm. that said, John, if you never did anything else, mm-hmm. and if you erased everything you've ever done, that wouldn't change the way that I feel about you. That wouldn't change the love I have for you. And that like, I think that is like a true North that I cling to Mm. and recognizing that that is not only true about God, that's true about my heavenly father in the most perfect of sense. Mm. Um, But that is also true about the people in my life that matter most. Mm. If I never, if I never did anything great ever again, right. Aaron would still mm. love that wouldn't change the way that she felt about me. That oh. wouldn't change the way my family loves me and cares for me. That wouldn't change the way my closest inner circle of friends are there for me, mm. you know? And yeah. so, yeah, it's just kind of knowing that, wow, everything beyond this is a privilege and a gift. Yeah. And it is, it is not even the icing on the cake. Like I already have the whole cake. Right. Yeah. It's like a, another side dish dessert right, right. you know some yeah. extra cream cheese frosting it's an, yeah yeah it's an abundance it's it's yeah. it's absolutely an abundance because yeah. i already have everything that i mm. need that's awesome mm. man i love that what um what words of encouragement well, or affirm oh be- just kidding i'll Julie let you ask that one but i had one more just taking it real quick taking it back to um just that part of the safe space um, because I wanted to ask you, what would it mean to be a safe space for yourself first? Mm, that's good. That's a good, I think um, not to sound like, again, the new therapy patient, but <laughs> I think therapy is that safe space mm. for myself because in wanting to be a safe space for others, mm. I am, I, very much value and seek to be a generous conversationalist, yeah. an active listener. I I deeply want 
almost every interaction that I'm in to be more about the other person than it is about myself. Wow. You know, Um, and therapy has allowed me to have a space where that is absolutely not the case, right. you know, and my therapist has to hold me accountable to it. Cause I will like spend the first 15 <laughs> minutes asking him questions about his life. Right. Um, and in his own wonderful, like nuanced, loving way, he like answers the question, but reminds me like, John, we're here right. for you. So let's, let's talk about, yeah. you know, whatever you feel like you need to talk about mm-hmm. instead of hiding, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I think that has been a safe space for, for myself to, um, yeah, to not feel a pressure, mm-hmm. um, and to, and even sometimes it's not a pressure that has me doing that, but to give me space mm-hmm. to, you know, mm-hmm. focus on what I'm working through and thinking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. For sure. Yeah. That's good. Thank you. Okay. You're okay, up. Now. <laughs> <laughs> um, now you can, now you may speak. <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> Oh my gosh. Terrible. 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 Um, yeah. What words of encouragement or affirmation would you give to someone who can relate to a part or all of what you shared? Yeah. So I will try and be specific about it rather than being general. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll try and be specific too. Um, because I know there's, there's probably folks listening who resonate with, uh, this narrative of like, and it, it sounds very arrogant to say, so I will say it for them. Mm. You know what? I am gifted in a lot of ways Mm. and a lot of things I put my hand to, like I succeed at those Mm -hmm. things and I, I do, I do pretty well for myself. Um, I'll say this, it is, um, there are folks out there where it is really easy to ride through life on your giftedness and on like, you can just go into any environment and you can immediately add value to it. Mm. Um, it's a really easy and fine way to go through life. Um, but I think we're missing out on something so much more deeper and relational. If all we ever do is, focus on our giftedness and use our giftedness as a means to climb higher. Mm. Um, but I think the, the work that folks like that, I think should be doing is that work of going deeper, Mm. um, and asking who am I apart from what I do and the value I provide others? Uh, cause that's what I, that's what I'm trying to do. Um, Mm. so yeah, I wouldn't, and if they are doing that work, I would just encourage them like keep doing it, Mm. you know? Because it will only, it only also on the other end increases the value that right. you bring because now you're just bringing it out of pure generosity right. and out of a pure desire to do the work, to do the work rather than out of a desire to validate yourself yeah. and your existence, which yeah. is going to be better for everybody. Wow. Yeah. That's wow. so good. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much. This was uh-huh. really great. And thank you for just sharing parts of yourself that a lot of people don't get to see. Cause I know you know, people might see you at church and they, you know, I I know for a lot of speakers, I've made my own opinions right off the bat. And I think Mm -hmm. it's just learning ever since doing this podcast, like just learning, like there is so much more to somebody because if, if I'm doing that to somebody, cause I'm a six, so I'm always watching out, you know, I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> very, we love a six. right. I'm very vigilant in a lot of ways and just always like also in my head in a lot of ways too. And looking at, 
you know, all the possible outcomes and how this person, you know, all those things. So, um, but you know, if I'm doing that, there's a chance that people are doing that too. And I know I'm not, I'm not perfect either. Cause there's a lot of things with those mm-hmm. motives and all of that. And I know for you saying that, I know it probably sparked a thing in Catherine, like, Oh, I, like I'm glad Julian's hearing this right now. Cause she calls me out on those things all the time where it's just like, you know, she'll say it in a sweet way or just ask me a certain question, but I automatically like have that short fuse because I know mm-hmm. what she's really asking. So I have to kind of become aware of it and know like she's asking because she cares, not because she's trying to be critical. Um, mm-hmm. Because that's mm-hmm. something I definitely am working on as well, too, because it, it's hard. It's sometimes it's hard not to. I w- the, the one question I was going to ask you way back was like, do you believe that everybody struggles with s- motive in some way? Probably. I mean, or what their motives are, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just to some extent, you know, I think, I mean, I can't, I probably, I probably shouldn't even try and speak for everybody, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think it's, it's recognizing what that, uh, the very Christian lingo would be like, sh- and it actually sounds like sci-fi fantasy lingo is <laughs> like a shadow mission. Mm. I don't know if you ever heard of that mm-hmm. uh, concept or idea, but that, there's it, it's sort it grams like at when we're healthy versus when we're unhealthy mm-hmm. what kind of manifests in us right. a, a shadow mission is essentially this idea that like for me at my unhealthiest right. you know what i'm really seeking to do is to validate myself through my own actions and i'll do that even if i have to put others down wow. you know wow. um and then in the light, what that looks like when I'm healthy is I use my gifts as a gift to others mm. yeah. in a generous way wow. for the betterment of the body of Christ, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so I think we all, to some extent, kind of have our own version of that, yeah. Yeah. you know? Um, what do, when we're at our worst, when we're at our un- most unhealthy, you know, what are, what are, it's not even necessarily what hole we're trying to fill, but it's how we're trying to mm-hmm. fill it. Yeah. You know? wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think so. Mm. Wow. No, that's good. I appreciate it, John. Thank you so much for uh, being mm-hmm. on today. And this, I, I, I guarantee this is going to reach at least one person who is going through any or all part. Cause it already happened. Like for me, like I got a lot out of this myself and mm-hmm. just watching, watching you and getting to work with you and everything. And, you know, it kind of makes me, not kind of it it definitely makes me become aware of the things that I may be doing as well too and I can already say like thank you for leading by example in the ways that you are for sure Mm -hmm. no well I want to thank both of you before you end this thing um you so something we sort of talk about uh in church staff world quite a bit is um especially as communicators and teachers is appropriate vulnerability Mm -hmm. um in that we when you're teaching or giving a sermon or teaching a class, you want to be vulnerable. You want the people who are watching to know that you are a human being, but also there's an appropriate level of it in that context. You know, if I only have 30 minutes, uh, you know, to teach a sermon and I'm supposed to be teaching a passage, I might only have four minutes to tell a personal story. And there's only like a certain appropriate level of things to share in those four minutes without giving any context outside of it. And so I'm really grateful um, 
for both of you saying yes to doing a project like this because it gives space for that appropriate level of vulnerability to go so much deeper than I am usually allowed to go. Um, And I know that's probably true for other guests you've had on. Um, And it's necessary and it's important work in the world. And these conversations I know have mattered to people and will continue to matter to people. So good on you. Keep it up.